0: Good morning, my name is Ryan Schreckengast, I'm one of the preachers and leaders here at GFC, and I'm also a middle school teacher, and I absolutely love that job uh, for many reasons. One of the things that I love to tell my middle school students about is how when I was their age, I had the absolute coolest haircut that you laugh. Why, why do you laugh? No, it's, <laughs> they laugh too, because after I tell them this, I show them my glorious mullet, uh, and, and they, they snicker and they laugh and they tell me, Mr. Shrek, no, 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 no. There are many cool haircuts, but the mullet apparently was not one of them. And further, they tell me that my mom did me a great service by paying me to cut it off uh, when I finally got uh, to that stage. So thank you, mom, uh, for for showing me that grace. But isn't it interesting how words like that, like cool, can have such drastically different interpretations depending on the perspective. ...of who is saying that word. How about if I say for you this morning the word wisdom? What if I warn you, be careful to deal with your neighbors wisely? Or what if I tell you that the Lord will honor the wise? I bet that every one of us this morning who heard that defines... Wisdom slightly differently in our minds as we think about how to apply those statements in our everyday lives. And so God, in His very great wisdom, defines for us not only what wisdom is, which we've been learning about for the last several weeks in Proverbs, but He also, in this morning's text, warns us of some common false definitions of wisdom that we must look out for, lest we end up with a mullet. (laughs) And I believe that the crux of this uh, issue this morning, friends, is that what the world so often calls wisdom is fundamentally selfish. And I hope that this morning we will all understand that selfish wisdom is not wisdom, friends, but rather the very definition of foolishness. So let's look at today's text, Proverbs 3, verses 27 through 35. That's on page 496 if you took one of the Bibles from the lobby. And the text will outline it for us like this this morning. That selfish wisdom is not wisdom, but true wisdom is honored by God. And that's where we're going this morning. Read with me verses 27 through 31. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and and come again. Tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor, who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason, when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence, and do not choose any of his ways look at how these verses never use the word wisdom and yet how worldly wise these things may appear by practical self-interested standards first for all of these things we are going to assume that the that personal self-interest Is the measurement by how we determine success. But this is not about some evil Disney villain. This is about you and about me. Simply looking out for number one. America first. Self care. Take what you can get. Just looking out for me and for mine. It makes a lot of sense in a worldly perspective when we think about this. And it might even be considered basic wisdom for how to not get taken advantage of in a world that has so many problems. Let's look at these examples that the text gives us. What's the first example? Verse 27 through 28. Simply withholding good ...from someone who deserves it. That can't possibly be a sin, can it? After all, you're not your brother's keeper... ...and it's really up to each person to look after themselves, right? So you can't be expected to do everything for everyone... ...and in this specific case, you're not even never going to give them what they deserve... You're just delaying it Uh, until tomorrow, maybe, probably. Simply managing the burden that you have to take onto yourself. That's not evil, is it? It's just wise. How about verse 29, the second example? Planning evil against your neighbor. Of course, you don't plan evil. That's, that's obviously a terrible thing that nobody would, would really do in real life. But then again, it's, it is just maybe, quote, wise to make use of whatever advantages you can, right? Especially if they are being unreasonable or if they're a pushover or gullible, then it's maybe only wise to exert your will over theirs. For, for everyone's good, probably. Just show them who's boss. Maybe nudge your property line just a little bit. You'll take better care of it than they will. Maybe take the bigger half of the cake. Just little things. Kids, is this something that you might find yourself doing sometimes? If you are the older sibling, maybe who isn't quite... Maybe if your younger sibling isn't quite as big as you, or who quite can't quite reason quite as well as you, do you use that advantage to get whatever it is that you want? I remember when I was a kid playing with my cousin. I could always get the toy that I wanted when we played together. I loved playing with him. (laughs) How did I do this? Because he dwelt trustingly with me. But I would tell him how awesome the toy that I didn't want was. Look at how cool this broken cowboy pistol is. It could it could shoot maybe around corners because it it bends in the middle. Wow, that's so cool! I guess I could let you use it. If I'm I'm, I'm really nice, so maybe I'll let you do that. That's a true story that I remember. And Seth, I apologize to you. I I even took pride in my heart in how well I could manipulate my cousin into getting the things that I wanted. And I'm ashamed for that. Consider verse 31. Envy, do not envy a man of violence. This one's interesting. This was certainly a temptation for the people of Israel. They were surrounded by the ungodly nations of the world who prospered, who prospered friends greatly through their violence and their greed and their oppression. More often than not, the oppression of the Jews themselves. And so Israel's army was smaller, their borders were contested, their people were abused, their independence was constantly threatened if they weren't already slaves to one nation or another. So is it any wonder here that as we read these verses, it seems like simple wisdom to if not emulate these violent men, then at least to envy them and appreciate the things that they've gained. Even the desire to have a king, of which Solomon, who is the author here of Proverbs, was the third king, that desire was based on an attempt to emulate the apparent beneficial practices of the violent peoples around them. But that was then. You may say. That was a more barbaric time. Certainly our culture has gone beyond this temptation. Survival of the fittest. There are winners and there are losers. Eat or be eaten. Players going to play. I didn't make the rules, but I'll play by them. Might makes Right. Friends, why are these phrases so common in our cultural context today? Because they work. Or at least they seem to. Isn't it true that people who are willing to do whatever they need to in order to succeed often do get the things that they want. You can see this play out in a thousand ways because it's simply worldly, quote, wisdom. But do you see, friends, how the desired outcome in every one of these things is fundamentally a selfish one? What course of action will lead to the best, for me, outcome? How will I increase my security? What will protect me from the harm of others around me? What will bring me the most gain? Even if it is a little selfish, isn't it still simply wisdom? Because they certainly seem to work, And yet, here in Proverbs, the imperative that is given to us as God's wisdom is to not do these things. Do not withhold good. Do not contend with a man for no reason. Do not envy a man of violence. Friends, remember that all of these verses in Proverbs have been building off of the previous ones. And we've learned that true wisdom is a journey away from yourself and toward the Lord God. And that this true wisdom can be experienced only by those who are in the family of God. And so we learned just previously from verses seven and eight, not to be wise in your own eyes, but to fear the Lord and to turn away from evil. And so if all of that, that God has given us so far is true, then the true definition of the efficacy of wisdom is not ...measured by the gain for you that you can obtain yourself. Friends, the efficacy of your wisdom is not even measured by your security... ...or your social standing... ...or the respect that you are able to achieve before men. Friends, the true measure of wisdom is in how you behave before men... As unto God. Selfish wisdom is not wisdom, but foolishness. Let's read the last verses of this chapter, verses 32 through 35, and see that contrast. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools Get disgrace. Friends, Yahweh God, who is the very character of true wisdom, abhors, curses, and scorns this worldly wisdom. I said earlier that we are not talking about some evil Disney villain. No, we are talking about something far worse. True evil is not surrounded by billowing green smoke, but by the justifications and the lies that tempt us to put ourselves on the throne where only God ought to be. Look at how twisted this selfish wisdom is. Look at what it confuses and it perverts in our lives. Verse 32, a devious person using your God-given intellect to manipulate others and to take for yourself what you decide you should have. Verse 34, heaping scorn and judgment on those who are following God's law or on the things that he has worked with his own hands. No matter how small they may be. As if somehow you were the potter and he is the clay. That is evil, friends. If wisdom is defined by moving toward God and away from yourself, then how you treat others exposes what you believe to be your position before the Lord. And then, as an outflow from that, how God himself treats you. And that, friends, is both the greatest danger that we face and our greatest hope. In First Peter 5, the Apostle Peter exhorts the elders of the church to rightly understand their position before God and before men. He tells them not to dominate those who are under their authority. And not to seek that office for personal gain, but rather to serve humbly before the Lord. Why? So that when the chief shepherd appears, they will receive the unfading crown of glory. And then he goes on and quotes Proverbs 34, but in Greek rather than Hebrew, Saying God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Do you see friends? It's God who gives out the crowns. He is the one who decides, according to verse 35, who will inherit honor, And who will get only disgrace. Selfish wisdom is not wisdom. But foolishness. Because the fool who seeks that selfish wisdom gets disgrace. Do you hear that word? But while the wise who seek God receive grace and inheritance of honor that's an interesting word choice inheritance this implies a standing before the lord as his child This is because God promises that those who seek Him will, in fact, find Him. As Jesus Himself said in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. God has made this promise, friends. And he has made the promise a reality through his son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus' disciples asked him by what means they too could enter the father's house. In John 14 verse 6. Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is through the crown that was given to Jesus. Who has all authority in heaven and on earth. That we can come before the Lord as his children. And that friends is a treasure worth more Than anything that you can obtain through your selfish, worldly wisdom. How does this apply this morning, friends? Selfish wisdom is not wisdom, but foolishness. So do not be fooled into pursuing yourself in the name of wisdom. Let me tell you a few ways that this plays out sometimes in my own life. And maybe that will minister to you. I can be tempted to make my time with God the very first thing that I sacrifice When I'm overwhelmed with all of the things that I see I need to do. That is not wisdom. That is foolishness. I can be tempted to engage with my... I can be tempted to engage my attention on my phone and play a game rather than engaging with my children... When I come home from work or before bed because I somehow feel that that would be more restful to me. That is not wisdom. That is foolishness. I can, conf- I can find myself comparing with my wife who had the more difficult night's sleep. Not because I want to know how to better serve her. But because I want in my heart of hearts to be justified in asking more of her and less of me. That is not wisdom. That is foolishness. Now you may notice a theme here with my struggles about time or tiredness and maybe that's not the area of your struggle maybe your area of struggle is with anger or with depression or with perfectionism or with food or with anything but that's my point friends We wouldn't do these foolish things. If we thought that they were foolish. But we don't. Because we are deceived. And we may even convince ourselves. That they are simply wise. They are the best way to respond. In a sinful world. To look out. For number one. To take care of me first. And it becomes so hard to hear the lie. Because the more we turn towards ourselves. The harder it becomes to hear the voice of God. Calling for us to turn to true wisdom the harder it becomes to repent of those strategies and to run into the arms of our Father God. But look at each of the contrasts that the Lord promises in these passages. That we will be in His confidence. That the upright Can be in his confidence. That he will bless. The dwelling of the righteous. That he will give favor. To the humble. And above all. To give the wise. An inheritance. Of grace. Of grace friends. May this. Provoke us today. May his grace provoke us to long for God's will to be established on earth as it is in heaven. May his grace consume our hearts with a bottomless desire to know him in this deep and intimate way both in this life and even more deeply in the life to come. And may his grace empower us to seek him diligently and to desire to live not by worldly, quote, wisdom, but by his wisdom in Christ Jesus. Because, friends, selfish wisdom is not wisdom, but foolishness. And yet, God promises to honor true wisdom with his grace. Let's pray. Father God... We run to you this morning, Lord. (laughs) Jesus, cover our sins this morning with your blood. God, you made it possible for us to be called children of God. God, I repent of all of the ways that I believe in worldly wisdom, God, that I put myself on the throne that is yours. God, I pray today that as we hear these words, we would hear your voice. God, we would, we would turn, we would run towards you and away from ourself this morning, Father God. May we die that you may live in us, just as you died. That we could live with you. So Father God. I thank you for your promises. God I praise you. For these things. That you make possible. They are so. So much better. Than anything I could desire for myself. Father God. Lord we give you praise. And honor and glory. Amen.